from sheisconference.org and Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the She Is Community Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the She Is Community Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Katie Stevens, and I am joined today with my co-host, Kim Massigal and Mm -hmm. Becky Hennessy. Um, Becky has been with us before at Summit, and I am very excited to have a conversation with her today. So how are you guys doing? I'm great. Yeah, it's a beautiful fall day. You're going to hear that from me every day in fall in Indiana, PA, because it's gorgeous. I wish you could see it, Becky. It's so pretty. It's starting to cool off here a little bit in the mornings. Uh, I wanted to turn on the fireplace, but it's still getting up to 80 in the 80s. So yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's fall compared to the 110 degrees, so yeah. Yes. You know, I spent um, most of my life in Ohio and Pennsylvania, so yeah, I miss I miss the seasons. I miss the four seasons, those Blue Ridge Mountains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know the beauty of it for sure. So, and you were with us for our very first She Is conference. She is brave. And you were here during the fall. I I had some pictures pop up on my timeline the other day of you with us. So it was wonderful. I I think I have one right here on your desk. Oh, it is on my desk. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. (laughs) No one else can see it, but you guys can and remember. (laughs) That's right. Yes. You remember Nisha and I showed up? Yeah. That Sunday and we were all dressed up in our dresses and you were like, Dallas is in the house. <laughs> you guys all have sweaters and boots and jeans. And we're like showing up with our bling. And, um, <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. Well, tell us a little bit about you, Becky, because I realize that we know you. I know you very well, but um, I realize our audience listening might not know much about you. So share a little bit about you. Well, um, my husband and I pastor in uh, Cedar Hill, Texas, which is South Dallas, Trinity Church. We've been here for 26 years. We've actually been pastoring for 40 of the 42 years that we've been married. So ministry is all we know. Jim's dad was a pastor, a college president. My dad was a pastor. My mom and dad pastored and worked in Teen Challenge, a drug rehab, Christian drug rehab program, most of my growing up years. So really ministry it's pretty much what we know. We don't know the real world with a real job, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, you know, it's just who we are, I guess. It's not who we are, but what we do, and it's become, you know, part of what we are, and and um, I don't know, about six, 13, 14 years ago, God just gave us this revelation uh, that we were to quit pastoring our church and pastor our city, and literally that was transformed the way we did ministry. We only knew how to do church just about church and what happened inside the walls but all of a sudden God I guess it was closer to 20 years now ago that God just began to expand our vision for the community that we weren't just pastoring Trinity Church but every church you know we cared about the people the businesses the schools the apartments and and that just really transformed how we began to do ministry so we made you know our values to be more um not so much what happens on Sunday mornings but it happens what happens on Monday through Saturday and so that gave me the liberty to be able to go into the schools and mm-hmm. begin a home for unwed mothers, um, 
you know, get into the prisons. It just kind of opened up my heart and to be able to do the evangelism team challenge kind of things that I think I was created to do. And so mm-hmm. since that moment, Jim and I really um, work much better together because he cares about the local church and the discipleship units. And um, I care about, you know, the highways and byways and, and going out there finding the hurting people. So that's kind of how we do life together now. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I love your heart for your city and just, um, wow, you do so much and challenge me in so many ways, but I know many of you know that Becky is one of the reasons why I do women's ministry. She's who I learned it all from. And so, um, so much better, (laughs) but I think the main thing that I like stood out to me about how you did women's ministry was your heart for the lost. Like you started girlfriends not just to minister to the women in your church, but your heart was to go out and get the girls who needed to know Jesus. And um, for the first eight years, we never put Trinity Church even on any of the mm -hmm. advertisements. We didn't have it in the church. We had it outside. And um, it was fun. It was fun to go to the schools and bring the girls in and and do things like that. But then it got easier to do it at the church bigger. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's kind of how we ended up back into the church. But go out there. Let's go out there and, uh, and, and take the love of Jesus with us. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, and we're starting a new series on this podcast. And so Becky is kicking us off with it. So Katie, you want to share a little bit about the series that we're starting off with? Yes, I would love to. So we are going to be starting a series on rhythms, which basically, you know, talking about spiritual disciplines, um, for example, prayer and worship, Um, and so I'm really excited to do that just to have some people on that. Um, I don't know, for lack of a better term are really good at it. (laughs) Um, but really see God in their spiritual disciplines and in their rhythms. And, um, Becky, before we hit, we were recording, we were asking what was on her heart and she was talking about, um, what you do when no one else can see like the secrets in a secret place. So Becky, I'm really excited to have a conversation with you about this and what's been on your heart about what it looks like between just you and God in these moments of rhythms, whether it be prayer or fasting or worship, um, just spending time in the word. Um, So I'm really excited to have a conversation with you about that and that it's going to lead into our more in-depth conversations with other people in these specific areas. So yeah, that's basically what we're heading into. So good. Jim and I just finished a study on the Sermon of the Mount and, you know, most of us who have been in the church at all or have read our Bible, that's in Matthew. So that's like the first book that we read, right? Matthew, mm-hmm. uh, first book of the New Testament. And it gets to that place, that Sermon on the Mount, where it says, and when you pray, pray in secret, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when you fast, fast in secret. And when you give, give in secret. And, um, you know, it kind of goes against some of the things that we in our churches because we're like let's have these prayer meetings and let's do a, a corporate fast and and we ask people in church to give and 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 so that's not really in secret that's kind of like together in the corporate but what i believe as we were studying it this last time just the revelation of um it's what is taking place in the secret places you know when no one else sees yeah. um that has the impact on the corporate times together and um it's so easy to teach the word of god it's so easy to you know preach it 
which is what we do, you know, and maybe what we do best. Um, we love sermons. We love teachings. We love Bible studies, mm -hmm. right? We do all the Bible studies to actually put it into practice and to, um, I don't know, I was finding myself, this is it. I was finding myself <laughs> getting up in the mornings early to pray. And yet I would scroll on Instagram, you know, mm -hmm. or I would go to Facebook to check what I, what did I miss during the nights that I was sleeping? And I would get my inspiration off of Instagram, <laughs> you know, these spiritual women or men who were posting these things. And then, um, it was mm -hmm. kind of like, Becky, you believe in prayer. Why aren't you praying? You know, you have all these books on prayer, you teach on prayer and you have your list for prayer and you're getting up to to meet with me, but you're not meeting with me, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that just was an aha moment really for me. And, and then also when you go through really difficult times and you go through the tests and the really painful situations or real hard storms or tests, um, and you don't have the strength and you don't have the faith and you don't have, uh, see the answers to your prayer, your, 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 you have to go back and say, you know, is there something that I'm missing? Is there something that mm -hmm. I'm not doing? Or is there something that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing? And, and so mm -hmm. you go and you begin to um, look at all of the things that you are putting into you, to yourself, into your heart, into your mind. And is the spirit of God the main thing, you know? So it's, it's a checkpoint for sure. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And I, I mean, I know I've been there where I just get up in the mornings and just immediately check social media. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit convicts me. So I started using that, um, that screen time where I have all of my apps shut off like at nine at night and then they don't come back on till seven or eight in the morning. So that like, I have to like physically say, extend my time <laughs> so that it prompts me, you know, oh, you know don't go there first. And so that's been really helpful to me. I love that. I just know that there, I believe God's word. Mm -hmm. And I believe that there is um, an abiding that Jesus talks about in John. If you abide in me and if my words abide in you, and then he goes on and says, you can ask anything of me and you will have it, you will receive it, you know? And, and so when we just continue to justify and make excuses for God not answering prayer, I think that, I don't know, I just was like, I just had to, I had to step up my faith to believe, I believe that God hears and answers prayer. Yes, there are seasons. Yes, we, there are testings. Yes, we go through difficult times. But the bottom line is, is that even our Devo today is that Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. And yet in the middle of that, he came up against this huge storm and the disciples are like, where are you, Jesus, why are you sleeping? You know, and he had to, he worked with them through that whole storm thing. Where's your faith? And then they got to the other side. And so I believe that bottom line is that God hears and he answers prayer. Mm -hmm. If we pray, if we keep seeking and answering. And, and when that doesn't take place, when we start making excuses for God to not be answering prayer, to not heal the sick, to not save, you know, the lost or to not um, see revival in our communities, then I feel like it's time for us to do a little checklist and to see that um, maybe there might be, you know, some things that we can change and do differently on our side side of it. So yeah, the whole prayer and fasting and giving, but it's more than that. I think for me, it was my words, mm -hmm. you know, what do I say when I'm not in the pulpit? What do I say when I'm not leading the Bible study? What do I say when it's just me by myself? What's my self-talk? Is it positive? Is it faith-filled? Is it God's word? 
you know, or is it lacking, you know, faith? And what what's my self-talk with Jim? Am I gossiping, you know, with other women, you know, are mm. we, are we talking about other people? Are we happy when other people fail, you know, and mm. just all of those things in the secret conversations in the secret places, my words, I think that's huge in the yeah. secret place. You know, what are we speaking to ourselves about ourselves? But more than that, you know, what are we speaking for our family and for our friends and for our city, for our nation, you know? And um, so that's, that, I think that's one of the things yeah. that the Lord has really um, checked me on is what's coming out of my mouth because out of, out of the heart, right? Yeah. Out, out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and so that kind of maybe is a clue about mm -hmm. what our secret life is about is what are our words and what are we saying? What's our conversation? Not just to other people, because mm -hmm. we can say the right things to other people, but in our own self-talk and when we're just us, you know, are we walking in faith? Are we believing that God's word is really true? You know, that God will do what he says he will do, that he is who he says he is. And so I think yeah. that's one of the things that we can find out about our secret life is what's coming out of our mouth in conversations with ourselves and with other people. I, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I think you're on point for that. And, um, and I know for me, it's been a process, like it's not something that's happened overnight because it's so much easier to think negatively. It's so much easier to like fall into the patterns of our culture. And, um, and then it's a process to get kingdom culture in my mind and in my words. But, um, but yeah, the more that you do it, the more that you make it a discipline and a practice and you have people that surround you that call you out on it, you know, like, um, when the more we renew our, renew our minds, you know, and just, really hear from God, the more that we see that that shifting in our hearts and in, in the way we speak. But I think you're, you're on point. Has it been a process for you? Oh my gosh, such a process. I'm so, I am such a negative Nancy. I didn't realize <laughs> it until, you know, of course I have Jim and different people in my life that kind of maybe might help Jim will more than other people. I think other people are intimidated by me, you know, the pastor's wife or this or that, that they're not so much, but people who love me and care about me, who I'm in community with. But more than that is, I think it's just a conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I think that that's what 2020, if I had to wrap up 2020 and this whole COVID and racial tension and just everything we've walked through through 2020, I would have to say that repentance has been the number one thing. Mm -hmm. Just so much time to um, allow the Holy Spirit to just uh, become my friend again, you know, mm. the friend that sticks closer than a brother that he would be, um, that I would allow myself to be vulnerable and open to the Holy Spirit to speak to me. He wants to speak to us. He wants to convict yeah. us of our sin. And he, and he doesn't just convict us of our sin, though. He also convinces us of our righteousness. Yeah. See, that's the thing is that when we feel guilty or bad about it, that's not the Holy Spirit, you know, um, or, well, maybe, maybe it is at first because you're embarrassed, you know, when you're called out on something, I'm so embarrassed, you know, that I want to almost deny it and push back, but in my heart, I know it's true. And, and then when I can get to that place and, and repent, then there's such a cleansing and, and the freedom that comes immediately, the intimacy that comes immediately, you know, is 
been so precious to me this this year. And so there's a whole list of things I could go through. It's been truly a um, time of true conviction and repentance mm-hmm. of, um, yeah, my words, my time, my attitudes, mm-hmm. the way I treat other people or how I even, um, unforgiveness, that's a huge one for me, mm-hmm. you know, because I, if I'm on Instagram very much, if I'm on social media, what I see is um, cutting people off. If yeah. people are, what are they, what's the word that they say if they're um, damaging to you or if they're um, in relationships, it's so easy. Just, you know, put up, people say, put up boundaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's code language for don't let anybody in your life, just, you know, cut them off. And I've had people cut me out of their life, close mm-hmm. friends, relatives. And it's been very painful. And so because of walking through that, of knowing what it's like for someone to say, um, there's no more grace or mercy. There's no Mm -hmm. more, you know, there's no more forgiveness. And so, um, you know, going back to that is like, first of all, how can I walk the second mile? How can I turn the other cheek? How can I forgive seven times 70? How can I have grace and mercy for this person who has betrayed me, Mm -hmm. who has hurt me, who has, you know, said things about me, who... When there's when there's that kind of relationship, it's so easy to unblock people, unfriend, or to block people, yeah. or to unfriend people, right? Yeah. But we do it in our hearts too, and um, so I think that been that's been a huge thing in my secret place. How do I forgive? So yeah, you know, the first thing is your words, but the second thing that's been really impactful to me is how can I forgive people, and. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some precious things for me this year have have closed. Hope Mansion, our home for um, Unwed, who we had for ten years, we had to close it down, and and there's a lot of reasons that. for that. There's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, one of the reasons was um, really bad leadership, and mm. so I want to hold a grudge. <laughs> I don't want to take responsibility for it. You know, what I'm saying I don't want to take responsibility mm-hmm. for it. It couldn't be me, my leadership. <laughs> And so walking through betrayal or walking through um, people who hurt you or your ministry or your family, you know, I mean, it could be your child's teacher, you know, it can be a classmate, you know, when people come against your kids or your husband or things like that. And so I think in the secret places, what do I think about people? Do I want revenge? Mm. Do I have thoughts of murder in my heart, you know, anger? I mean, that whole Sermon on the Mount thing, you know, it just has really kind of, so my words kind of come through the, from the issues of guard your heart mm-hmm. out of it flows all the issues of life. And so I want grace and mercy. I want forgiveness. And I just know some, some relationships in my life and my family and in the church can, can be mended and can be healed. If the person would just say, I forgive you. Yeah. I give you grace one more time, Becky, you know, I forgive you. Mm. Because I know that that could so easily heal, you know, my, my broken, some of my broken relationships, I want to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. But we don't, we're not taught how to do that. We don't even teach our children how to do that. Yeah. You know, we, we take them out of the classroom, we go confront people, we always, t- you know, what I'm saying the youth pastor mm-hmm. or uh, so true. You know, we don't teach our children how to walk through difficult conflict how to walk through difficult situations because we don't do it and they watch us how we do it so yeah that is huge right yeah walking 
God, the Bible says God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And we talk about that for the loss. We think we're supposed to go there for the loss, but what about reconciliation in our families with our parents? How many of us have really bad relationships in our heart towards our mother, our father, towards our mother-in-law? Mm. You know, I mean, uh, towards family members or towards uh, people, you know? And, and so that's been the other thing. I guess that's been the first thing has been so really true. how to walk in, in the secret place of just great forgiveness and, and begin to pray for my enemies and mm. to pray for those who persecute me you know, and, um, and it's, it's a game changer. It's hard though. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the hardest, yeah. hardest thing I've ever done, you know, to love people who have hurt me or betrayed me, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and what I keep hearing you say is in the secret place. So like, I mean, I know you believe in counseling. I believe in counseling. It's what my degree is in. I'm all for godly counselors, but what I hear you saying is it's got to start between you and God, it's got to start in your heart and not, not always processing it with somebody else, but starting in that secret place. Um, a lot of counselors during these last five years, I've really walked through a really dark, dark, dark season. And I've gone to a lot of different counselors mm -hmm. and every single one of them, uh, it was all about me, myself and loving myself, which I need to do that, but they never, ever led me into great forgiveness towards other people, you know, and, and maybe, maybe I just didn't stick with one long enough to get to that point because they're trying to walk me off the, talk me off the ledge or whatever. But as I have been able to walk in really cleansing and healing and forgiveness towards people to truly just uh, release them and um, have grace and mercy on them, this has been such a healing in my heart, you know, towards uh, for myself. Mm -hmm. What happens is when you, what, what I have found, you can tell me, Miss Counselor. <laughs> I hold forgiveness towards other people. It makes me have self-hatred towards myself. Yeah. I mean, like, to the degree I forgive others, the Bible says, to the degree I forgive others is to the degree that we receive forgiveness for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So when I hold on to anger and unforgiveness and just most yeah. of the little things, like how we celebrate Christmas or, you know, how an event was done or, you know, I don't know, silly things, but then there's some big things. But as I have been able to walk in this cleansing and repentance for other people, there's been such a healing in my own heart. Like it truly is truly true to the degree that we forgive and extend mercy to others that comes back to us. Yeah. And that's where we begin to really walk in uh, love for ourselves through the love of God. You know, the Bible does say to, to whom much is forgiven. I mean, no, no, that's a different one about that. That person who has been forgiven much loves much. Yeah. Is that, that's right, right? Yeah. The person who has been forgiven much loves much. Mm -hmm. And how, and how many times have we seen that those of us who've been raised in the church, we have a harder time loving God in a pure heart as to the degree that people who have come out of a real hard life, who have walked through great sin and, and, even prison or uh, great, those people who have understand the grace and mercy and the love of God, man, they have such compassion for other people. Yeah, not true. So when we see how much we need a savior and how um, much we need God's grace and mercy, 
then that begins to flow the mercy and grace to other people. So, but it all happens in the secret place. It, it really does. You know, it doesn't happen yeah. in counseling sessions. If you, like you said, it doesn't happen in group work or Bible study. I mean, see when the Holy spirit is allowed the room to bring conviction and expose things. And then we have the opportunity to, um, to allow him to help us to, to go to the new level of grace, mercy, forgiveness, mm-hmm. uh, faith, words, you know, even if we just keep saying, I forgive that person, even if it, it's not in our heart to do it, but as we speak it, God, just as even as you've forgiven me, I forgive them, you know, and then that just works deep in our hearts. And sometimes it takes time to do it, but I believe that uh, giving the Holy spirit, the opportunity, he wants what's best for us. He wants, he wants us to have our best life. Yeah, he does. And our best life comes through forgiving other people. He doesn't do it just because it's a list to check off. It's because it's for the, for our best, for our good, to love people, to extend grace and mercy to people to love the hardest to love people. <laughs> you know, I, would think, I would say that some people would say that I am pretty hard to love. You know, if you had to live with me, Jim might say that, you, you know, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for a husband who has stuck with me for 42 years mm-hmm. and loves me through some difficult things. But even that much more, I'm so grateful for a heavenly father. Yeah. He just, he loves us. He loves us just the way we're at. We are. Mm -hmm. He created us. He made us. He has a plan and a purpose. And he wants what's best for us. And what's best for us is to walk in healing and wholeness and love and forgiveness towards other people so that we can receive that for ourselves. Because that's what we, that's what we long for more than anything, right? Yeah. (laughs) Getting all emotional. I, I want to like, I know it's maybe going off track a little but So you just said something about those who are forgiven much, love much. And so often do I hear, you know, women or girls that I'm talking to, well, Kim, I don't have this dramatic story, this dramatic come to Jesus story. So I, I guess I struggle with that, like, because I haven't been forgiven much, but I try to tell them like, we've all been forgiven much. We all we're lost in need of a savior. So what do you tell that woman or girl who who's there? Who's like, I, yeah, I don't have this great dramatic story. Um, well, talking as a 63 year old woman, I can tell you that this is probably not what you want to hear, but um, in my experience um, and maybe your mom's experience, those of us of, you know, in our sixties and seventies, you will go through something that when you come out of it, you will have a testimony. Yeah. It might not be the bringing out of prostitution or drug addiction or prison, but um, God gives us all opportunities <laughs> to yeah. walk through difficult things. In this world, you will have trouble. Be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. And so there is opportunities. But um, I think that, again, in the secret place, the Holy Spirit begins to show us areas is um like those movies mean girls you know i mean it's so obvious for us watching that movie that there was so much wrong (laughs) you know and so sometimes sin is hidden sin is secret and it goes back to um 
lacking grace and mercy for other people, not having compassion for other people. Mm -hmm. And we walk through difficult things, um, whether it, it could be uh, a divorce, just yeah. out, out of suddenly this man walks out of our life or maybe never being married and the pain of walking, wanting to be married and, and, and not being married, you know, how do you find grace to do that? How do you find joy in when your situation and your circumstances are, is not what your dream was for your life? Or, and I have so many women who have had miscarriages or infertility or um, children in my uh, women at my age whose children have walked away from God. You know, the pain of that is, it's not the sin life, the testimony life that we think of being redeemed, but it's, it's a test. It's yeah. as great as anything and, or women who, um, you know, uh, I don't know, just are unseen. They feel unseen, you know, they feel like there's no purpose in their life. Those walking through those tests and allowing the Holy Spirit to use that is a testimony. I was able to share this morning in our devos is I read a book and then my darkest, darkest time over these past five years, I just did not think I I could, I could do it. I didn't know how to break through with unanswered prayer. You know what I'm saying? I just kept waiting for God to answer my prayer. Then I would have joy. If God would just answer my prayer, perform the miracle, then I would have rejoicing and peace, you know, and my life would be good again. And I read this book um, and it was called, It's Not For Nothing. And um, my mind just slipped who the author is. It'll come back to me. But she said that, um, she, she lost three husbands. Her first one was that young missionary guy who was killed by the Indians. Elizabeth Elliot, that's yeah, who it yeah, is, yeah. Elliot. And um, she said on the darkest times that she has learned how to give her pain as a sacrifice of praise. So again, it goes back to the secret place again of um, what do you do with the pain in the secret place? And she gave me something to do with the pain and that is to present it to god my infertility i'm not in, i'm not infertile but i'm just using it as an example i bring it's so painful when i see other people posting everything about their children and their baby showers and their kids birthdays and you see pictures every the family's growing and getting bigger but you're not you know and the pain of every month having your period when you want so bad to be pregnant what do you do with that you know, what do you do with that? And she says, if you can use that as your sacrifice of praise and you give your infertility, if you have to do it every hour of the day, every day, you know, but whenever that pain gets so unbearable that you can't hardly breathe and you say, God, I present my infertility to you as my sacrifice today. Nobody else gets to offer this up to you today. You know, Jesus said, God, take this from me. Yeah. Nevertheless, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. What was he doing? He was offering, you know, at that moment before the cross, he didn't want to walk that walk. He didn't want to take up the cross, but somehow at, at that moment when he's like, take it from me, you know, re relieve me of this, bring in a different way. I don't want mm -hmm. this life. <laughs> and at that moment, he was able to lift it up to the father and say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And when you can learn to do that, I can offer that as a, that's what we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. I mean, it's not a dancing, jumping up and down. The sacrifice of praise is one, that it, it's, it's a great sacrifice. 
to be able to give God your pain and your unanswered prayer. And, um, and so I say, you know, we all have opportunity to, to have a testimony. And I do have a testimony. I have a testimony that even though God has not answered my prayer, he has not brought relate, you know, um, restoration in, in the relationships that I long for. And yet I don't have the depression. I don't have the darkness any longer. I have been able to learn, you know, to walk through it and I can have joy. I never thought, Kim, I would ever be able to have joy or peace again in my life mm-hmm. until God, until God answered my prayer. And yet I, and I find myself with great joy and great peace now. The longing is still there. The prayer is still there. The desire is still there. But there also are moments of great joy and peace and know that he's working all things out for good, you know, and it has transformed my life. This pain that I've walked through, this brokenness that I've walked through is transforming my life. I'm, I'm, I'm much kinder. I'm, I'm much more patient. I'm much quicker to bring a soft word and a soft answer to other people. I'm not quick to throw scriptures at people because I know now what did not help me, you know, mm-hmm. and what helped me. And, um, and that was, I don't know that I don't, I kind of got off track here, but that, that was one of the keys for my breakthrough is to learn the sacrifice of praise. Who does not have disappointment in their life? I mean, you, you got the perfect marriage, you got the perfect kids, you got the perfect ministry. <laughs> oh yeah don't i (laughs) i never go through difficult times or you never called me and said i don't know what to do (laughs) never i love it i've seen the transformation in you and it's it makes me weep just because i i personally know like where you were and now where you are so when, you're in the dark, when you're in the dark season, it feels as though there is no hope and there is no way out. But um, for those who are walking through just a hopeless season, maybe you're in your 40s and you still haven't been chosen by a man to, to be his life partner and you're wondering, telling you that there is joy and there is peace even in that season. You know, it's not that disappointment or that you still don't have to walk through when you see other people getting engaged and going to wedding showers or seeing you know people meet their forever spouse or the baby or the whatever it it doesn't mean that the pain goes away it just means that it becomes a, a an opportunity for you to enter into a place with the lord in your secret place you know he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shelter of the shadow of his shelter forever. There is a, there is a comfort and a joy being in the shadow of our God, you know, to be covered by him, to know that you are covered by him, that he loves you no matter what, that he doesn't love you. It's not that you're not his favorite because somebody else has the life that you want. It's just that it's a different relationship. You know, we all, those of us who have children, we have a different relationship with each one of our children. God has a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives, you know, and, and it doesn't look always like what we wanted it to look like, you know, and that doesn't mean that 
the answer isn't coming. It doesn't mean that God's not going to bring a husband. It doesn't mean that he's not going to make a way for you to have children. For some of our infertility couples, some of them have become supernaturally pregnant. Some of them have become adoptive parents or foster parents. You know, some have become uh, directors of orphanages, you know, and that's become their children. And, and so God has a way of working his plan. He's a good father. Yeah. He's a good, good father. And so it's not that I give up hope that God is going to answer my prayers or going to bring restoration. I do still have that hope. I still do have that prayer and I still mourn, you know, and there is a grief, there is a grief, but you don't stay in your grieving and your sadness forever. You know, there is a season to grieve. There's a time to mourn. Yeah. There's a time to rejoice. And so, you know, sometimes at two, three, four o'clock in the mornings in the secret place, in the secret time, I weep, I grieve. I weep over what is not, you know? Yeah. Let God's peace and presence come to where I can function and not just function, but be productive and be joyful. You know, it's the craziest, craziest thing. So until you walk through that, you, you can't understand it, you know, but it's there mm -hmm. for those of you who are in the dark season of your life. There is light, you know, he comes as light into our darkest and there is, there is a way out. He will bring you out. <laughs> good. So good. Katie, you have any questions for Becky? I don't. I mean, I'm just, I'm thankful that I got to have a seat at this conversation because um, that was really good, Becky. Thank you so much. Um, I know that was something I needed to hear. So thank you for, for sharing your heart and you know, you've given me a new perspective on hope um, in the dark places and just the importance it is to have those moments with God, um, to be humble in those moments, to allow him to work, and then just to build that foundation so that just the outflow of your life is reflective of that. So thank you so much. I have no questions. I am just a sponge right now. <laughs> I think part of the answer also is looking for the God in the different areas of your life. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful. Um, this is silly, but I'm so grateful for my home. I have this beautiful home and this acre of land that um, has become a sanctuary for me. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I can, it's not a relationship. It's not a person, but I can be so grateful and thankful for that, to, to have that in my season of darkness, to have this beautiful home that God gave us a sanctuary. So, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's looking for the good that God does bring because he he's there. It was kind of like when my mom walked through Alzheimer's, I couldn't understand why God didn't heal her. Yeah. And yet if we look back at every time God made a way of miraculous provision for finances or a new nursing home or care, you know, or how God helped my dad walk through that. If I see, I can see God in all of those things. If I will take the time and just say, okay, if, either God's going to heal her or forget it. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. You know, that's silly. You know, that's like having a broken down car and getting mad at the um, auto mechanic and not taking your car. You know what I'm saying? That's, mm -hmm. that's silly. But um, if we can start looking for the good and um, you know, God is moving. He's bringing so many um, young men and women into our life to help carry the ministry forward. And, 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 and I'm so grateful for that. God's, you know, restored my relationship with my daughter in such a way that I never thought was possible. So there are so many good things that God is doing. So if you just concentrate on the thing you don't have, 
you will stay unhappy <laughs> and miserable and in your dark place. But then as you, as you begin to be grateful and thankful for the good things that are happening, begin to see and make a list. I, you know, that Ann Voskamp book about all the gifts, start making a list. Yeah. Of the, it is a game changer. It really is. Yeah, that's so good. Well, and you saying about your home being a sanctuary it kind of reminds me. I know you read the Get Your Life Back, who I <laughs> who I learned about the book from, but um, he just talks so much about you know taking a look at the beauty around you and um, yeah, yeah so, good. so good. Well, man, I I could like do part two, part three, part four of this, Um, but I know it's time for us to wrap up, and my plan is to get you here in person for an event in 2021, so COVID can just go away, and we're going to have an in-person women's event, and Becky's going to be here, (laughs) and Nisha keeps wanting to come too, so Nisha wants to come, Nisha, she loves you guys so much. We love her. And right. you know, she's a testimony. Her oh, life is man. a testimony. A family of four. Just a young, cute little family of four. Her son was killed in a car accident. At the, he was 21 years old going to Bible school. And they mourned that so long, so much, you know. And then her husband died just a couple years ago, of, of two years ago of, of cancer. And so their family of four has become a family of two. And two days after she, her, her husband died, she was evicted out of her home, you know, and you think, oh my God, she, if, if anybody, she has reason to complain, but she is the most joy-filled, most inspirational person you'll ever meet. And, you know, when she travels with me, again, the same thing, I can hear her weeping and sobbing at one and two o'clock in the morning. But when she, wa- when we wake up and she gets on with her life, you would never know. And so it's not that she doesn't grieve the loss of her son and her husband. It's just that she has found that God is faithful to her and that someday eternity, heaven is real, you know, and she will, she will, we will get to live forever in the perfect world with the perfect everything, you know, and um, there is a, there is, and that's part of it. That's part of the secret place is knowing that there is a forever with God and, and everything that's wrong will be made right. Yeah. That's so good. I look forward to coming. Yes, you and Nisha. And one of my favorite things to do is to tune into your services on Sundays after ours are over because the timing works out. And so often I'll look for her in the choir and just see her worshiping. And I know I know the pain she's walked through and it's just the most beautiful thing to watch. Um, just the joy that God has given her in the midst of her her dark and deep pain. So yes, we will see you in 2021. But Katie, you have anything else you want to say? I don't. I don't. Just a big old thank you. Yeah. Well but yeah, what what do you what do you have fun going on today? What's something that's gonna bring you life today? Uh, you know, I need we're having the young adults over Friday and Jim had knee surgery. So he's not able to do any weeding or any work. So I think I'm just going to go out in the yard and, and um, pull weeds and clean up my backyard. That always brings me so much joy and um, just getting outside, you know, and, and making my backyard look, look good. So awesome. yard work, yard work. I don't do all of it, but I'd like to do some of it. <laughs> yeah. 
That sounds awesome. Well, um, Becky's a seven on the Enneagram. She's um, full of fun. And so pulling weeds is fun today. <laughs> I love it. Well, we love you, Becky. Thanks so much for being with us today. And I hope you have a great day today. Well, I am so thankful for the conversation that Kim and I got to have with Becky Hennessy. And like we said at the beginning of the episode, she was kicking off a series that we're going to have. So we are going to spend some time looking at some spiritual disciplines, some rhythms, and we're going to have different guests on the show to talk about those things. And Kim and I are both really excited for that. So to be sure that you get notified when those episodes come out, be sure to subscribe so that you can tune in for those. Ladies, as always, thank you so, so much for listening. We hope you have a great rest of your day.